Welcome to the Haley Hennessy podcast, hosted by me, Haley Hennessy. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into topics that will empower you to discover new ways to make life juicier, more vibrant, and inspiring. Let's get started. Today, you'll hear from Maya Lombards, a talented Belgian currently living in Cusco, Peru. Maya is a functional medicine health coach, a singer, runs her own virtual assistant business, and is too a podcast host. She is a woman with many talents and lots of creativity. Maya has a passion for helping others achieve their dreams all the while she achieves hers. She is such an interesting person and we really dive deep into how she's created such a fabulous life for herself. If you enjoy our conversation today, make sure to check out her podcast, which is called Healthy High Achievers. Now let's get started. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. First, tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do. I'm from Belgium, and I've been living in Cusco, Peru for the past seven, it's going to be eight years now. I was supposed to stay for three months. Now it's been eight years. (laughs) I'm a little bit of many things. So I'm a singer here in Cusco, Peru. I'm a functional medicine certified health coach. And I have my business management background. So now I sort of call myself the creative entrepreneur's sidekick because I'm VAing virtual assistant stuff, but also coaching. So to really help creative minds to just bring a bit more structure to their business and more balance to their life, but not in an overly structured way, right? Because then a creative mind rebels against too much structure. So it's just like this simplified decluttered version that you need to not be overwhelmed. So I have always thought you're a very interesting and fascinating person because you have such a heart for an adventure, but you also have this mind for entrepreneurship and helping other people and using your health journey in order to support people all over the world in their own health journey, as well as their business journey, their travel journey. You've kind of, you have your hand in all the different pots. (laughs) And so I want to start first with travel. What started your interest in travel and where all have you been so far on the planet? I mean, (laughs) you probably want to hear a whole list of countries. My list is not that big, honestly. I guess when I was a kid, we used to travel all the time to Spain. Because when you live in Belgium, it's a classic trip to go every summer to the south, to Italy, Spain, and Portugal, let's say, because that's like 10 hours by car. And so that's an easy holiday. And that's where I got curious in Spain. I heard all the Spanish and their level of English wasn't that high back then. And so I had to learn some words in Spanish and I was only like 12, 13 to just be able to ask people questions. And I got curious. Like I've always been curious about people and different cultures and different personalities And so that curiosity to the other just really had its effect on languages too. And hey, how do I say this in Spanish? How do I say that? And so I started watching all these movies, you know, these classic dance movies where (laughs) like Dirty Dancing 2, where they go to Cuba and learn to dance salsa. And I was 14 and I told my mom, hey, mom, I'm going to live in South America. (laughs) When I'm old enough, I'm moving out to Latin America. 
And she was like, yeah, yeah, we'll see about that, right? And so in the meantime, I kept meeting people from other cultures. I became a volunteer at an exchange organization. So I was guiding students, uh, young people from all around the world to find their way in Belgium to learn a bit of Dutch and just go to a bar together. And I loved the idea of in my hometown going to a bar with 30 people from different countries and then people would think I was a foreigner in that group too but I was <laughs> I was just in my hometown right but I felt like I was traveling in my hometown so have I traveled a lot no Spain some European countries and then Chile that was my first country in South America which there was a lack of culture shock for me it was disappointing because <laughs> Chile feels a lot like Spain. And then I ended up in Cusco, Peru. And honestly, I, I haven't seen Ecuador yet. I haven't seen Colombia. I haven't visited Brazil. It's all still on my list. But there was something about Cusco that just made me stay longer here. And there's this thing. I, I talked to an American friend of mine here in Cusco and she lives here too. And we're like, we have the same feeling of when you live in such a touristic place, Everyone comes here from, to see Machu Picchu. Uh, everyone passes through Cusco from people like, from all around the world. And so I constantly feel like I'm traveling when I'm just here. And when I'm not actually physically traveling, I still meet a lot of people from different cultures. And that was sort of my point. I have traveled a lot mentally, <laughs> getting to know so many people from different cultures, but not really in terms of backpacking or, or changing countries. Well, I know that you've been to the United States and you probably aren't giving yourself enough credit for Europe because we're going to have probably more American listeners and all the European countries <laughs> are definitely impressive. So True, give yourself a little every, credit. <laughs> yeah, but every American and even South American and probably Asian, whenever you guys travel to Europe, you see everything in like <laughs> one month or something <laughs> or maybe three months. I haven't even seen Berlin and Germany, you know, like I've recently two years ago went to Paris for the first time, but I, I haven't seen it's like in your own country or your own state even or continent. You don't see everything that tourists see when they come visit. Right. That's so true. Yeah. They say that people who live near a tourist attraction rarely go and see it unless they're they've just recently moved there or they're about to move away. Yeah. And it's when I was 21 and arrived to Cusco, Peru, I was like, I want to travel far. I was hungry to go far now that I can. And I'm like, when I'm old, I can, you know, I saw my grandmother doing these cruise ship tours, you know, around where you go around the Europe and you stop in several countries. I'm like, I can do that when I'm old, <laughs> but now I need to travel far. We became friends through the coaching world, and I know a little bit about your history with fibromyalgia, and it seems to have influenced a lot of your life in general, but also your, your coaching, your practice, and your use of your inner energy, your vitality. What has been your health journey, and how has it influenced your life? It has influenced my life in all the ways. Every way, every day. I was 15 when I got diagnosed with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. And I couldn't go to school. I was walking with a cane. I couldn't ride a bike. I had an electric bike. After a while, that gave me a bit of freedom. But I had these extreme pains that had no explanation. 
And this extreme fatigue that even after sleeping for 12 hours, I'd wake up as if I had gone partying and had slept like two hours. I didn't recover. Let's say you go to a family event and you get home and you're tired and you lie down for half an hour. Maybe you doze off a little bit. And then after an hour, you feel a bit better. You know, you feel recharged to, to make dinner or whatever you do. I didn't. I would rest and rest and I didn't feel recharged at all. Like it was just empty, empty energy bucket, right? So doctors didn't know what to do with me. And they were like, you know what? It's a, it's a chronic disease. There's nothing you can do about it. You just need to live with it. You have a small energy bucket and that's just what it is. And I left that hospital with that weird feeling of like, this can be it. You know, there must be something in my body that's just wrong or maybe healthcare isn't advanced enough yet to find, but there's, there must be something. And so I started this quest, you know, I was looking for my own answers. There must be more. So I started reading about mindfulness, about healthy habits, nutrition, all the good stuff, uh, positive psychology. And I started a blog in, in Dutch back then. And I got all these um, accidentally, I had very good SEO on that blog. <laughs> so I got emails every day from people with the same diagnosis, fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, and they all had different treatments. They had a hormone treatment or antibiotics for a year because they believed it was a bacteria, these IVs of magnesium, all these kinds of different treatments. And when I read that, I was like, okay, I'm never going to accept any medication because I feel like doctors are just experimenting right now. They don't know what it is. They don't know where it comes from. They're experimenting. So I got better slowly but surely, really having a strict schedule and a rhythm and having to follow my energy levels. I had no choice but to respect my body, listen to my body and follow that energy. So when I had, let's say I wanted to see a friend on a Wednesday evening, I couldn't plan anything during Wednesday the whole day, nor the next day. I had to really create empty spaces, schedule empty spaces. And I know that's what I started teaching people <laughs> as a health coach to really schedule empty spaces in your calendar to listen to your body and listen to your energy levels. So that's what I was doing. And little bit by little bit, I started going to school, but I did my university part time. It took me longer but I needed to create the space to rest and do it. And then last year at university, I had the option to do an internship abroad in Cusco, Peru. And I grabbed that chance. I was scared. I was scared shit. <laughs> if you want to cut that out, go ahead. <laughs> I was just so scared. Like, what is my body going to do at this high altitude? It's like more than 11,000 feet high. And I said, how will I react? Will I be able to work full time? Like the job was full time. And I said, I don't know if I can do that. I've been going to school part time. And I got to Cusco and all of a sudden I felt so much better. I could run upstairs. I worked full time, went salsa dancing after working full time <laughs> every day. And I felt great. And I was like, okay, so why do I feel so good here? And I started looking online, trying to find the answers to the questions. Like first I found improvement and then I asked myself, so why do I feel better? So yeah, the, the answer to why is I think it's all of the things. It's the sunlight, it's the altitude, very dry air, um, so no mold, 
right? Foods from the market, uh, spontaneous schedule. Everyone listens to their body here. When when you meet someone to go for a drink in the evening, and in the evening they're like hanging on their couch and not really feeling like it, they will either flake, <laughs> so they will just not appear, or they will tell you like, hey, can we do it another day? And then that's fine, you know? So there's no schedule for free time because free time is supposed to be free. We shouldn't put anything in our schedules apart from work. <laughs> then I found some videos online about these functional medicine people. I didn't know what functional medicine was, but there was this doctor that said, that talks about fibromyalgia. And he said, you know, fibromyalgia literally just means muscle aches. It's just a name for a group of symptoms, but it doesn't say anything about where it comes from. And every person with fibromyalgia can have a different root cause. And I was like, hey, no one ever looked at my root cause. You know, no one, they did a sleep exam to examine my symptom of fatigue, and that looked perfect. They did a muscle exam, and, and my muscles looked perfect. No one ever went deeper. And so I went back to Belgium looked for a functional medicine practitioner. And that's where this whole journey began of that practitioner's health coach telling me, hey, haven't you thought of a career switch? <laughs> you know so much about this already. You love working with people. That's when I started studying uh, at the Functional Medicine Coaching Academy. That's when after that, I met you while building my coaching business. And in the end, it seems like my muscle aches, my fibromyalgia and my extreme fatigue came from my liver. It was toxins and heavy metals and mold that were stuck in my liver and I didn't have the glutathione, the enzyme I needed to detoxify to get it out of there. So everything, my whole body exploded because there's this one piece in the system that, for example, if your liver, your liver stores your vitamins, if your liver's not working well and then your vitamins don't get shipped and sent to the cells then of course you can have muscle aches. Of course you can have brain fog. Of course your body's not functioning the way it should. That's where that fibromyalgia came from. But there's no doctor that's going to be like, oh, muscle aches, let's look at your liver, <laughs> right? So yeah, that, that's my health journey in a summary. So now you're back in Peru full-time with a place that you live full-time so how have you been able to make living abroad long-term attainable for you? I was always saying like, no, I'm just going to stay for three months and then I'll go back. And then I said, no, let me add on six months and then I'll go back. And then I found a job. I was like, no, okay, a contract, one year, okay, then I'll go back. <laughs> and I tried going back after three years and that had to do a lot with work. And also family, because it's hard to be far away from your family. So that was weighing on me. But mostly, I didn't have the money to visit my family once a year, you know, to fly back to Belgium. Because I had a local salary in Peruvian solis, and that is like four times less than dollars. So you, when you have a local salary here, it's very hard to save up and buy a plane ticket to the other side of the world. Peruvians have to save years for that. And I said, there must be a way for me to earn enough in euros or, or dollars to be able to visit my family every year. 
And so when I didn't find that way, the first three years, I bought those plane tickets off of my savings. But then you see your savings go down and that's not a fun feeling. (laughs) And I was like, there's nothing to add to those savings. So after three years, I said, you know what? I'm done. I'm moving back to Belgium. I'm done with Cusco, Peru. I've had my fun. I'm going to settle and build a stable life in Belgium close to my family. And I tried. I tried. And that was before the pandemic. So I went back to Belgium, found a job as an office manager at a design company. I learned the whole Belgian company system and I got all the meal vouchers and social security and all the advantages you have when you're an employee in Belgium. And I said, yes, this is it, right? <laughs> Earning my euros, working in a good system. I have all, all these benefits. But then once you get used to that, it didn't fill my cup. It's like you get so used to getting those meal vouchers, getting those bonuses, those extras, the social security. And it's like, yeah, you still walk on the street. And I still got so enthusiastic when I'd see someone I barely knew, but somehow recognized. And I'd be like, hey, you know, how have you been? (laughs) I think I know you from somewhere. And in Belgium, that is just a nah. (laughs) Belgians then will look at you like, why, why is she talking to me? Who is that? <laughs> so I was too Peruvian to be in Belgium, but often too Belgian to be in Peru. When I was studying functional medicine and started my online business, we learned how to coach through Zoom. And that was before the pandemic. So we learned because in the US, everything, everyone is so spread out that it's just easier to have these appointments on Zoom. So I learned to coach on Zoom and I was like, hey, If I can build an online business coaching, I could move back to Cusco, Peru and earn euros or dollars. So I saw a new path that the limitations I felt of not seeing my family because I didn't have the money to see them. I was like, hey, if I can earn the money, then I can go every year. And maybe I could even do six months here, six months there, or every year go three months. And I'll have that freedom. With financial freedom, I'll have the freedom to visit my family. So that's what I did. It was the pandemic had already hit. So I was a bit locked up in Belgium at first. And then the first commercial flight that flew from Madrid to Lima in Peru, I was on it. I had a broken foot. I didn't care. (laughs) With my crutches and all, I arrived in Cusco and I was like, I'm back. (laughs) Five days later, they closed the borders again because there was a mutation in the UK. And so I was happily locked down in Cusco, Peru and building my business. And in the beginning, that was the best thing for me because I didn't need an income. I didn't need a European or a US income to be able to survive. My first year, I'd almost say two years of building my business. I was very impatient, but it did take time to build it. Those first two years, maybe sometimes I could pay myself $100, $200 for my business, you know, just like these tiny amounts. But I was okay because I was singing a lot. I was earning my money with that. I was renting out the other room in my apartment to tourists, which also helped me pay my rent. And I was selling tours to Machu Picchu. (laughs) All of these things that gave me that extra. So I had several income streams. Until my business finally became my main income. And until this day, that is just my my main income every month. Congratulations. That's so cool. 
<laughs> Thank you. It's nice, right? When that moment comes, I think people who build a business know that feeling of just going at it, learning all the things you have to learn, learning what it all includes and having an online business. It's so many tiny things. And then you finally reach that income for yourself. And it's like, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give to someone who's thinking about potentially living abroad, traveling, quote unquote, long term, being away from their home country for an extended period of time? What would you advise them to think about or consider or figure out before they leave? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind is a mindset. Because when I was hesitating to move back to Peru, my mom gave me, gifted me a great mindset. Because I was like, I don't know, what if I regret it? What if I do want to live in Belgium? I don't know what to do with my life. And she was like, just go. Just go. And, and if you don't like it, you come back. It's as simple as that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you don't like it after three months, well, you just move out of that apartment, buy your plane ticket, and, and you can be back here anytime you want. And then with building my online business, I was also hesitating because I was like, I don't know. I didn't study business management. I did. I actually did. But I was like, I don't, I didn't learn. I learned how to do operations or manage a business. I had not learned how to run a business, right? And, and start it and, and the finances and the business plans and whatever guess what? You don't need a business plan. And second thing is I talked to a friend of mine. He was my previous boss. And now we are co-owners of a volunteer organization in Peru. I don't know if I told you about that, Haley. Mm. <laughs> That's something new in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but he actually told me, Maya, why are you doubting? Like you're literally doubting to create the most low-key business there is. You don't even need to pay your rent. You don't even have a shop or need products. You just need to pay for a Zoom account and maybe a website. And that's it. That's your business costs. You know, it's the it's so low risk. What are you waiting for? And I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> maybe I should, you know. So I started with a free Zoom. I started with a free scheduler for my appointments. You know, you start with the things you have and you invest over time. and that's the main advice I'd give. Basically, the summary is just do it. <laughs> yeah. Just go. If you're thinking of a certain country, maybe just go for three months or whatever is allowed with your visa. Just see, feel, have a feel for the country. Do you like it? Because you don't know it until you do it. So even with building an online business, if you don't like the business you built in the end, you just start over. Or you change directions. Or I have changed directions in my business. So many times, you know that, Haley. <laughs> yeah. I know we brainstorm often about our businesses. And then all of a sudden, it all comes together. It all comes beautifully together. Like office management for at first didn't give me the full satisfaction. And then coaching was fun at first because it was mainly for myself that I was studying all the things to understand my health better. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me help others. And when I first got that certification in functional medicine, I was the second one in Belgium. So I said, hey, I'm going to be the second one in Belgium. So from the moment I graduate, I'm going to open the doors and people are going to come flooding in, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a ton of clients. Guess what? Crickets. It was no one, you know, no one came to me because they didn't know what functional medicine was. They didn't know what health coaching was. 
So how do you explain? Hey, I'm a functional medicine health coach. They're like, what do you do? Like, what? <laughs> what's that? I was like trying to work with clients who were struggling of extreme fatigue. And I, I was like, yes, my niche is fatigue. And then I had to realize through experience that everyone's tired and no one really does anything about it. So if you're, hey, hey, I can help you with your fatigue. People are like, well, I've always been tired or everyone's tired. Who cares? Right. So it's a lot of experimenting. It's a lot of just trying stuff out and then tweaking. Because in the end, I started helping more with my community called Healthy High Achievers. So that resonated more with people. It was like, oh, I want to be a high achiever and I want to be healthy. So that's when clients started coming in. But then after a while, I realized, hey, I love doing group sessions or journaling sessions, but I don't like the one-on-one -on -one coaching that much. I had to learn through experience, through doing it a lot and getting sick of it. And then, okay, so more group stuff. All right. And then I was like, you know, I actually need more money. So let me do more virtual assistant stuff. So I started finding clients, helping them in their businesses. And now I finally, I talked to a friend, might have been you, Haley. I don't remember about, hey, I feel like I'm doing these two very different things. But they're also, but you made me see like, hey, it's actually the same. You know, it's still healthy high achievers. You were helping people at first to become more healthy, but now you're focusing more on the high achievers part, right? And just the business part. But it's always, so I was like, no, Haley, because all my past YouTube videos, they don't fit into what I'm doing right now anymore. And she's like, you were like, yeah, they do. <laughs> of course they fit in. So yeah, I guess that's the message what I want to give is just do it and you can tweak as you go. Yeah, that's great advice. It's usually that resistance to diving in, I think, that holds so many people back or just trying it out. Some people think they want to or they can have full clarity bef before they dive in. That's a myth. That's impossible. And I had to learn that, too. I was the same. I wanted to have the full plan laid out for me, like make everything be very predictable, every part of the journey before I dive in. But the thing is, you can only see that first street, I guess. But when you turn left and you turn right, you don't know what's behind that bend and, you know, what's next. You just don't know. You have to make it up as you go. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs in the end are just good at problem solving and taking things as they come and finding solutions for them. That's it. There will always be, someone told me, a CEO just needs to always solve problems. I'm just popping in here to say thank you for choosing to listen to my podcast. It really means a lot to me because the truth is there really is no algorithm to master in the podcast game. It is so different from TikTok, Instagram, or any other platform. There aren't many secrets to building a following. The methods are be consistent, talk about interesting things, and speak with interesting people. So the fact that you're here now listening to this thing that I created is really special. One element that really helps though is rating this podcast and leaving a review. Rating simply means going to the bottom of my channel's profile on Apple Podcasts and selecting five stars. While you're there, I would also greatly appreciate if you left a review, even something as simple as the title of your favorite episode or a word that describes the podcast for you. If you listen on Spotify, simply go to the Haley Hennessy podcast profile, click on the three dots and select rate and they don't take reviews. So that's all you have to do.
by you taking the time to do this, it legitimizes this podcast that much more and it helps bring in other interested listeners as well as other awesome interview guests in the future. You being here means a lot. Thank you so much again. What advice do you have for anyone who's wanting to start their own business? Maybe it's similar to what you were just saying about anyone who wants to travel. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Dive in, just do it and try something out. And I'd say always start small or start with something that people already like, something that you already do. Because I made the mistake and we all made the mistake of just doing all these business courses and with business coaches and following the exact formula and using all the email templates and doing a whole email marketing thing. Guess what? When I had a freebie for people to opt in and then they got like eight emails from me over a period of two weeks, they'd all unsubscribe. But my audience, when I'm getting personal and I send them just one newsletter once a month, non-salesy, just about my life, and I might end with something. uh, And that's something you inspired me with, Haley. I love your newsletter as well. It's like, I get it in my mailbox and I'm like, hey, what's Haley up to? You know, and and I'm starting to read because I know there's a story about your childhood or something you've been thinking about recently. And that's interesting. And then you might finish with, hey, here's my newest podcast episode or here's something. I'm doing that too. It it just, it's more personal. And it's, I guess, what my audience and your audience resonates most with. But then there are other people and other businesses who might want to get all the information and all the tell me all about your services and about my problem and my solution in these (laughs) coming eight emails, right? (laughs) There is a crowd for that. But you're going to learn that you need to learn the basics. You're going to join a business coaching program and then you're going to implement it all. You're going to see it doesn't work. That's (laughs) fine. Don't panic. (laughs) (laughs) I know you and I, we both experienced that. It doesn't work. That's all good. Next, you're going to do another course probably with a different approach that you might like better. You're going to implement it and it might work a little bit, but not as you had hoped. And then you reach a point where you unlearn all that stuff and you only keep the things that feel aligned to you or feel good to you and to your voice and your emails are going to sound more like you instead of some copywriter and that's what it what it's all about but it takes time and unfortunately what I tell someone who's just starting it takes years and I know that's not fun to hear because I'm a very (laughs) impatient person and I was in those first two years I did it all I did one-on-ones I did group coaching I did a membership. I learned it all and did it all because I was impatient and I wanted to have success right away. <laughs> but it doesn't work like that. You just have to keep going, keep going. And I can tell you that of a mini course I recorded three years ago, the one called Give Your Brain a Break, there were no one opted into that one in the beginning. And now it's my most successful one. I haven't changed it. I haven't <laughs> re-recorded. I haven't done anything. I just published it in the right places. And by coincidence, that one started booming, you know, so you never know, even the things you create in the beginning, you never know if or when they're going to start booming. But yeah, it, it takes time. Yeah, that's great advice and great thoughts. Yeah, it's really who's it, who's in it for the longest, who's in it for the long haul. I think that's what matters the most is just sticking with it and not giving up. And even if you pivot, I think that's okay. And even pivoting, it seems like a big deal when you're doing it, but 
in the end, it's not going to be as huge for your clients or your audience as it is for you. And so, yeah, just going with the flow, I think is is always best. Exactly. And like when in my mind, it's a big shift for you. It's like, no, it, it all makes <laughs> sense. Still. You know, it's still yeah. you, you doing you. <laughs> and yeah. it's all good. And can I recommend one book that helped me a lot? Yeah. When I was so like two years, I was losing hope and so impatient. And there was this book called The Long Game by Dory Clark. And that's just one that you have so many books for starting entrepreneurs and then so many books for over overly booked entrepreneurs. But then this is a book for the ones that are going at it two, three years and don't see the results yet. And it's just a really good push about that long game. Like you said, the entrepreneurs who are in it for the long haul. I don't think I've read that. So maybe I need to pick it up. Yeah, it's it's really good. I'm thinking of picking it up again because I read it a year ago, maybe two years ago. And uh, it helped me so much. So <laughs> tell me a little bit more about living in Peru. The funny thing is, something I really feel like sharing is some people say, so are you living there forever now? Is this your forever? And funny thing, I live here. I bought my own furniture. <laughs> I used to live in furnished apartments, but now it's unfurnished. And I'm like, oh, this is mine. Like, when did I? <laughs> so I accumulated <laughs> things and bought things over the past eight years. And well, actually lived here for three years and sold everything I had and then started again <laughs> five years ago. I'd say I still don't know if it's going to be forever. And that's okay. Like people want to have this certainty or this answer of like, oh, that's your home now. Oh, that's your, your answer. That's forever. I have my apartment. I have my furniture. I have my dog. I have my husband. And still I'm like, I don't know if I'll stay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm turning 30 in a couple months. And Honestly, I'm like, this has been an awesome place in my 20s from my 21 to my 30. You know, my whole 20s, I've had a great time in Cusco, Peru. And I don't know what my 30s are going to look like, how Cusco, Peru is going to fit into this new, new phase of my life. It's going to be less partying and meeting people. It's going to be more <laughs> calm. <laughs> it's going to be less couch surfing and more hotels, right? <laughs> It's going to be more stability, less backpacking, and just more longer calm trips. I keep my options open. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to feel when I'm 35, when I'm 40, when I'm 45, when I'm 50, when I'm 55, 60. So if at one point I'm like, I'm going to go back to Belgium, then I will. And if maybe I go back to Belgium, but then I pick another country, I will. So I just accept it. I think living in Peru... Life is so spontaneous here and changeable. So when we're moving apartments in the US or Belgium, it's like, oh yeah, I'm moving, but it's in six months, right? I found a new place. I can move in in four months. Oh, I found a new job, but I'm going to finish this one like in three months and I'm going to change. Here in Peru, people can, landlords can break your contract. It's very informal. It's very, you never have that security you crave as a... <laughs> As a person from a Western culture. Um, so you just need to embrace the changes and know that they can throw you out and within a weekend, you're moving. They can fire you within the week, you're changing jobs. It's so interchangeable and it's never predictable, which is something I love about it too. It's an adventure. 
it's also annoying often because <laughs> sometimes you just want to like breathe and feel like you have that security. But that really helps me accept that even the life I built in Peru might just be for a phase in my life. It might not be forever. So if and when that changes, I'm going to be like, all right, I guess it's time for a new chapter. Maybe somewhere else. We'll see where life leads me. And um, I think the first thing I learned in Peru was you can make plans with life, but life will have other plans with you. Mm-hmm. And I slowly but surely started accepting those plans that life had and has with me, which doesn't always um, match up with the ideas I have in my mind. Yeah, it sounds like your experience has given you, maybe for better or for worse, this sense of freedom or openness that life can have or be instead of this like locked down commitment mentality that we can have in the more westernized countries. So it seems really, from this perspective, it seems like it's beneficial and really great. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is great. I I do want to have that reminder of my Belgian culture, though. I'm going back next week to visit for Christmas. Right now, I have to text my friends and be like, when will you have time to see me? Mm. And it's absurd. I told my husband and he's like, you're scheduling a night out on the 16th of December. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's all, I know exactly what's going to happen this whole month, <laughs> even in my social life. And that's a hard thing to to switch between the cultures, but it's necessary because I've experienced it where I'd go back to Belgium, not plan anything. And on a Saturday be like, I think I feel like going to a bar, seeing some friends. And I'd contact all of these friends and they'd all say the same thing. Oh, I already have plans. Sorry. Oh, I can't today. Sorry. Oh, maybe another day. Because it's so, they already had their plans with their group of friends. And in Peru, I almost almost felt offended because I was like, why don't you invite me to your plans? (laughs) Mm. Because that's what Peruvians do. They're like, I'm seeing this friend, but do you want to come along? Oh, yeah, sure. (laughs) So I might meet a friend tonight and there might be people popping up that I don't even know, but that they invited. And then those people might have invited others. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how you meet new people constantly. But yeah, I think my point is a mix of the two cultures is ideal. That's Mm. what I feel. You cannot go too spontaneous and flaky. But you also cannot go too scheduled and planned and have no surprises in life anymore. It's definitely the best of both worlds. Don't yeah, want to give up is. one or another. <laughs> exactly. My husband and I, we planned our wedding party like three months in advance. <laughs> <laughs> and my Belgian friends and my brother was like, what? <laughs> like we already have that vacation planned and we already have things and how are you going to do it so last minute but for Peruvians sending them an invite three months in advance is like wow this is early <laughs> so I was in a very Peruvian mindset the moment we organized it and then I was like oh yeah right people are inviting others to their weddings in 2027 now <laughs> Well, do you have any final thoughts or anything else you want to share on the podcast in regards to, yeah, your your health journey, your business journey, your travel journey, your life journey, any of that? 
Yeah, I find it really funny when you said that I help people both with their life and their business and their travel, because I hadn't looked at it that way yet. So thank you for that insight. But it's true. And I've been doing that for a long time, even with the exchange students back in Belgium, right? And then here, I'm actually the admin of the Facebook group of foreigners in Cusco. <laughs> so I see it as a fun hobby to meet people and to help them with travel questions. And it's it's fun to help and not expect anything in return. And then when they do, when they do help you when you're in their countries, it's like, oh man, I have these contacts all around the world. It's fun. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm now, uh, one of my newest projects is a volunteer organization for people to come volunteer at projects in Cusco. So to help with kids, help them to learn how to read, teach them English or at the dog shelter too, uh, help them to get adopted and all that stuff. So that's my newest project that I see as a passion project. I don't know where I get the time from, but yeah, it's all about <laughs> efficiency and listening to my body. But yeah, that's that's just the, doing the stuff that you love and knowing that your business it can entail so many different things. It can entail all of those things inside of one business name. There's no limit, really. I guess that's a bit against the pick your niche vibe. <laughs> but you can do many things for many people. And if you can, do it. Because if you can help people in different ways, then then go for it. Yeah, that's something I really like about you is that you come up with ideas and things that haven't been done yet and then you make them happen. You just like go for it rather than waiting for someone else to do it or just letting the idea go. So thank you for bringing that to the world. <laughs> uh, I guess I have to thank the Peruvian culture for that trait <laughs> that they they taught me that. Because <laughs> Peruvians are very entrepreneurial. They are They have to because they don't have the system to fall back on or the benefits as an employee or I don't know many nine to fivers here. I know everyone's an entrepreneur. Everyone, every family has a tour agency to <laughs> book your trip to Machu Picchu. <laughs> and um, I think that's what really helped me build my business. Because I remember in 2016, a Peruvian friend of mine said, hey, Maya, so why don't you start your own volunteer organization? And I looked at him like, are you crazy? I don't know how to do that. I don't know how that all works. And now I'm doing it. So, yeah, it takes time, it takes practice, and it takes just just turning on that switch and jumping mm. in, take the leap. Yes, definitely. Mindset. All mindset. Well, where can people follow you and find you online? Yeah, they can find more stuff on my website. That's mayalombards.com. I'm sure you're going to put that in the key <laughs> in the <laughs> description and the keynotes. And it's the same for Instagram, Maya Lombard. That's where you can find just little pieces of my life in Peru, a little fun stuff I post on there and some journal prompts. And also on my website, you have a tab that's called self-care corner. And that's where I have a ton of free worksheets and journal prompts and Maybe right now, if this is published around Christmas and, and winter, you can check out the winter writing prompts to get mm. cozy and journal a bit. And um, yeah, and I'd love to hang out on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye. Thank you. Bye.